If uh, you have your Bibles, I would like to direct you to Scripture, Luke chapter 8, verse 22 this morning. While you're turning there, let me say uh, how wonderful it is to have all of our guests in service with us this morning. We appreciate uh, you being here, and we hope that we are the friendliest church that you have ever been to. Even if you've only been to one church, we still want to be the friendliest that uh, you've ever been to. I also want to say uh, how wonderful it is to have Brother and Sister Philippeck in service with us. This is uh, Brother and Sister Mike McGurk's in-laws of the uh, McPeck reunion. So that's McGurk and Philippeck. That's the McPecks uh, in-laws. And it's good to have them in service with us this morning. Amen. Well, I feel Jesus in this house. Amen. I believe that if you've walked in here and uh, you've walked in here one way, burdened down, you've got something that you can't figure out, I believe that you can walk out of here a completely different person. I believe that. I believe that because it happened to me one day. Amen. Luke chapter 8 verse 22 says, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of the wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. (laughs) Isn't it interesting? He's the one that told them, let's go to the other side. And all of a sudden, they are coming to him saying, Hey, Jesus, Jesus, we got water in the boat, winds kicked up, you, we, we're about to die. Can you at least get up to watch us die? Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a call. And he said unto them, where is your faith? What a profound statement. What a profound statement. Think of this for a moment. They're in the middle of a tempest, on the water, in a boat, and the boat looks like it's about to go under. Jesus rises up, tells everything to stop, and then he doesn't talk to them about seamanship or the boat or anything else. He asks them, where is your faith? you got to understand one thing this morning. Everything that he designed on this was talking about their faith. Where is your faith? And they being afraid wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds 
and the water, and they obey him. And verse 26 says, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. They arrived. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you about the other side. The other side. Did you put your uh, device or your Bible, or whatever it is, just lay it down for a moment, and would you pray with me right now for this service that the Word would have free course. In the name of Jesus, Father, I am so thankful for your goodness, your mercy, for your Word. God, I am very thankful for those that have come that need to hear this Word. God, I pray right now that you would help me to be an echo of your spirit, God. I don't want to say anything more or anything less than what you would have me to say. I pray that you would mix your word with faith, God, that it would profit individuals, that it would profit hearts, minds, and this body. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let someone, let someone find the other side this morning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God bless you. Thank you for praying. You can be seated. The Gospels, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all synoptic, meaning that you can find one story and relate that story generally in two or three or uh, all of the various Gospels. And ironically, this story is found in several different Gospels. But uh, it is found where that the destination is pronounced different, or that it's claimed to be different. They came to, there was a certain day. There's nothing uh, that predates what was going on other than it was a certain day. There was nothing else going on. See, to understand the other side, you've got to be able to understand this side. And today in today's society, where we miss it a lot is, is that we can come to the place that we don't recognize that we're on this side. We live beneath where we should live. Case in point is that in the Old Testament, God designed it to where that the nation of Israel would go down into Egypt, and while they were in Egypt, God would create this nation out of this family. And when God began to multiply to do exactly what He said that He was going to do, Egypt began to oppress Israel to the point to where that what they were doing what they were working on, what they were doing, Pharaoh changed the whole program. He said, instead of you, uh, us providing the raw materials that you're going to have to need to do what you need to do as slaves of Egypt, we're going to let you provide those things. And Egypt, uh, and Israel said, okay, no problem. And it went a little longer. And then the next thing that you know, Egypt comes along and Pharaoh says, because Israel has become so great 
every man child that's born, I want them to be killed. Now think about that for just a moment. See, I've always thought that Israel going into Egypt or being brought out of, of Egypt, that all of the things that happened, that Moses told Pharaoh was going to happen, that all of those happened for the faith of, of Egypt. I've always had the understanding or the thought, Brother Middleton, that what was going on because Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, that God was trying to deal with the nation of Egypt. That was what my viewpoint was. But unfortunately, that viewpoint is mostly wrong. Because as it turns out, as you begin to study and understand Scripture, every time that Moses said that he came into Pharaoh and he said, God's going to do this, God was dealing with the gods of Egypt. Case in point, the Bible says that there was light in the land of Goshen. One of the major gods of Egypt that Egypt worshipped was the god of Ra, which was the sun god. And Moses went into Pharaoh and said, I'm going to show you who's God. That's what he was doing. I'm going to show you who's God. I'm going to turn the lights off in this joint everywhere except Goshen where where Israel is. And you're going to understand who's God. Because of that, I always thought that God was talking to Egypt. But the fact of the matter is, is that God was talking to Israel because Israel had become so accustomed to their surroundings to, if you'll let me say it like this, Israel had become so accustomed to their culture that Pharaoh even said, I'm going to kill your kids. And Israel said, okay. They did not recognize, they couldn't recognize the other side of the Red Sea because they had become so complacent with the side that they were on. I'm talking to you this morning about the other side. But before we can talk about the other side, you've got to understand, some of you in this place need to understand, that you are on this side. You're not on the other side. You've become so complacent to the culture that you have surrounded yourself in that you can't even recognize that you're living below where God wants you to live. It was just a certain day. There wasn't anything special that was going on. It was just a certain day that Jesus came to the disciples and said, Hey, guys, get your gear, get your boat. We're going to go to the other side. There wasn't anything happening. It wasn't a festival. There wasn't anything that was, that was out of the ordinary. It was just an ordinary, plain Jane day that he stepped up and said, we're going to go to the other side. This side, this side looks like hopelessness and despair. If you'll permit me, I'll take you back to my life. I can't talk to you about your life, but I can talk to you about 
my life because I've lived my life, right? In the summer of 1994, I was entering into my last year of engineering school. And uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm not born and raised in Maryland. I know it's a shocker. I'm sure it's probably my haircut or my patch or whatever it is that you, you don't think that I was born from around here. But I'm not from around these parts. I was in my, starting into my last year of engineering school at the University of Arkansas. And I have lost most of my accent if you are interested. Fifteen years. Most of it, it's not as thick as it used to be. You can still understand me. And uh, it was the summer before my final year. And I remember that uh, in and around what I was in, right, that uh, I didn't really recognize and understand that where I was was anything different than what, where I could go. I, I was vice president of my fraternity. I was an alcoholic. If there were seven days in the week, I drank seven days. That's just what that, I don't do that now. Most of y'all are like, I mean, some of y'all look like, <gasps> 1994, right? Get, y'all did, y'all did, y'all did get that date, right? That's not yesterday or last week. Thank God I made it to the other side. <laughs> but uh, I, I, this, what, this was the culture that I was in. That's what my friends did. That's what people, that's what my family did. That was just what I knew. And to me, that seemed fun. Seemed like it was the normal thing to do. And I remember that I was renting a house right, up, right off of, uh, in downtown Fayetteville. And I had the, uh, I was, it was a three-bedroom deal. I had a couple of guys that were in with me. Uh, but because I was paying the majority of the rent, I got to pick, you know, the room. And I wanted the, the master suite, which was down in the basement, you know, because it was cooler. And there also wasn't any windows in there. So when I got home late at night, you know, I could sleep in and the sun wouldn't bother me. You, you follow that without me telling you all the details, right? Because, you know, after a long night, you need to sleep stuff off. I'm trying to help you here, but y'all are just... Okay, so I was in that, uh, I was in my drunken state and stupor in, the, in that basement bedroom. No windows. And it's as real to me right now as it was in 1994 that I could take you to that place that I was laying in that bed. And the first time, the first time that I really became aware that God, it was God that was dealing with me in that darkness, in that silence, that still small voice asking the question. And this was the question that he asked. Is this really all 
there is to life. Is this it? Just a big bar bill? Sleeping it off the next day? Waking up and eating so that you could sop up yesterday's alcohol so that you could go do it again the next day? Is it really, is this really all that there is to life? See, I had become so complacent. I had become so ingrained and indoctrinated and comfortable with those that were around me, my culture, my community, that I didn't understand. I didn't even realize. I had no perception that I was on this side I didn't even know that there was an other side. But that voice spoke to me and said, is this really all that there is to life? And my answer was, I don't know. I flipped on the TV. I had had some exposure to Pentecost. My grandmother... Uh, when she passed away, she had had the Holy Ghost for 50 years, over 50 years. And that's why I love Sister Lulu Singletary so much because she reminds me of my grandmother so, so very much. I had had some exposure, and I knew I'd been to Sunday school, and I knew enough about the Bible to be really dangerous, right? But But God can use... I mean, he can, look, I'm preaching this morning. He can use anything, anybody, right? So I flipped on the TV and CNN was on. And all of a sudden, this deal, this news report comes on that says they've discovered a virus that is literally eating the flesh off of the bone. And I went, my God, I think I remember something in Sunday school about right before the rapture, right before God comes back. Now, this is, this is all wrong, okay? But God can use anything. I, I thought I remembered, oh, I remember a Sunday school lesson that, you know, that right before God comes back, you're, laugh, you're, you're literally laughing at me. L- literally, are you laughing at my accent or are you laughing at the fact that I knew so little about the Bible? So I'm thinking... God can use anything. So I'm thinking to myself, oh God, here I am in this basement. The lights are off. I'm hearing voices and I flip on the... Now I'm a chemical engineer, so I need a formula to explain anything, everything, right? Flip on the TV and here's this news story and I'm like, oh my God, I have got to, I got to do something about this, right? So then I had, I had... Uh, chewed smokeless tobacco since I was about 12. And I woke up and I was fixing to put a dip in, you know, a, a chew. And when I did, I, my tongue grazed the back of my lip and there was a big knot on the back. And I thought, oh my God, that's that virus. <laughs> now you're really laughing, right? That's that virus. I'm I am eat up, Brother Miller. I might not make it to the end of the day. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm upset. Y'all are laughing at me, and I'm I'm telling you my heartfelt testimony, and y'all are laughing. So I'm thinking, I am eating up. So 
you know how you, when you get nervous and you're upset or whatever, I, well, I, I, I need to go to the restroom real quick, right? So I went to the restroom, and lo and behold, I get set down, and I, I'm hurting so bad that I can't sit down on, on the... Yes, thank you. So I stand up, and all of a sudden, I've got a knot on my tailbone. Now I'm like, oh, Lord, what in the world is... I literally, literally, in the words of Brother David Shatwell, I literally went and got the phone book and opened up to United Pentecostal Church churches in the Yellow Pages, and I called Brother Boffman. He didn't answer. It was in alphabetical order. I called Brother Ray Hassel, and about three years before that, my aunt had sick Brother Hassel on me at the fraternity house, which was a bad scenario. That's a story for another. He caught me on a Saturday morning. You know, he's suit and tie, and I'm like, barely have umbros on at like 10.30 in the morning. He's like, hey, Brother Stu, I just wanted to come and invite you to church. And I'm like, I, man, I've got things to do. So I call him. I said, brother, I know you probably don't remember me. He said, oh, yes. <laughs> do I ever remember you? I've been praying for you. <laughs> I went, I'm so thankful that you've been praying for you. Brother, I'm going to be in church tomorrow morning. <laughs> He said, well, that would be wonderful. Come see us. And that was the last Sunday. The Sunday that was the first Sunday that I was in church and the last Sunday that I've missed since vacation, you know, because either vacation or travel schedule or whatever. I recognized the other side, the other side. I've told you all of that to tell you this. There was, a, there was a time and a space when I didn't really understand where I was. I didn't understand which side that I was on. But God spoke to me like I know that He's speaking to some of you this morning. In your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. Maybe it's not out of the darkness, but I do know that God is talking to some of you this morning about where you are. I recognized, I got to the place that I recognized of where I was. And then faith. See, the story was not about location. God didn't ask them, why are you sailing in this direction? Or we want to go to the other side. Why did you choose this direction to go to the other side? God, when He woke up, Jesus began to ask them, where is your faith? What I'm talking to you about this morning is your faith. It's recognizing where you are, but it takes faith to get to the other side. It takes faith to move to the other side. It takes faith for you to stand up from where you are and say there is something better. It takes faith to see that, to believe that, to act upon that, the other side. I know that God is speaking to some of you in your heart and your spirit this morning about this side, that you've stood and remained and kept this side of your faith.
for too long. You've become complacent with where you are. Some of you, you've been around here for years and decades, but you've grown complacent with where you are. You look to the older times and say, that's what we were. I'm preaching right now. I'm really hitting in the Holy Ghost somebody. I don't know who you are, but I know I can feel right now that I'm talking to you. You've, you've thought about those were the good times and that I will never enjoy those times again. We might move to the other side as a congregation, but it won't be because I, it won't be because my faith that I'm loading the ship up and that I'm steering this. Can I just tell you this morning that the Holy Ghost is reaching for you? That you would take your faith and recognize that you've come to a place of complacency. You've come to a place of idleness. You've come to a a place to where that you feel like that God cannot use you anymore or that God cannot use you to the level that He used you in the past. May I just say to you boldly in the Holy Ghost that that is an absolute lie. That is a lie. Because I declare to you this morning that if you by faith will stand up and begin to walk and move, as Brother Simpson said, if you'll begin to move in the direction to get to the other side, God's not only going to use you, God's going to use you more than He's ever used you before. I believe that. Now there are others here that I feel God tugging at your spirit this morning. Maybe this is the first time that you've ever been in an apostolic service. Maybe it's the first time you've ever been in a church service. I've been there before. I've been to my first apostolic service. Where I walked in and I thought, oh, Father God, if you will just get me out of this joint, I will never come back. Can I get one witness? People were talking in tongues, jumping, running. One dude did a cartwheel. I'm like, what in the world? We are, we've just left reality. We are no longer on planet reality. I've been there. And I see some of your eyes this morning that you're looking at it and going, you don't understand how that clapping belongs in church. You don't understand how the lifting of hands belongs in church. You don't understand how the shout of joy or the shout of victory belongs in church. Because, thank you, that's just, we got one person that's got joy. Here, we'll try that again. Y'all ready? It's coming this time. You don't understand how that a shout of joy or that a shout of victory you don't understand how that belongs in church. But can I just tell you that God is the originator of the shout of joy. God is the originator. He's the original shout of victory. 
The Ravens just stole that. The Orioles just stole that. The Nats, N-A-T-S, Nats, 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 that, that, they, just, they took that. Not that particular chant, but they took being loud. Church is supposed to be fun. And it's supposed to be loud. And preaching is supposed to be loud. Because it's the foolishness of preaching that causes someone to be saved. You can look at me, and I promise you, when I looked at my first preacher in the eye, I went, buddy, you are a fool. 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 Foolish. I hope this morning that if this is your first apostolic service, first time in church, you're looking at me and saying, you are a fool. What are you talking about this side and the other side? Can I tell you that if you look at me like that, I'm doing what God wants me to do. Because it is the foolishness of preaching. It's the idea and the thought and the concept that somebody could, could stand up and from the Word of God begin to tell you the thoughts and the intents of your heart. But the book says that the Word of God, it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing asunder of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. It is foolishness, foolishness to think that the preached Word of God could go so particular into a man or a woman's heart that it could discern what your thoughts and what your, the intent of your heart is. But I can testify to you that I've seen it work hundreds and thousands of times, over and over and over again. That when someone stands up and says, you're on this side, you've been, you've been so indoctrinated with your culture, with your community, that you've, you've latched onto this with social media, and you think that this is the cause of the day. And next week, someone else will bring out a fancy hashtag. And that will be the cause of this week. And you've gotten so indoctrinated with trying to make this life heaven on earth. And I've got news for you this morning. This life was never, never, God never designed or intended this life to be heaven on earth. He designed this life to be a place where you could understand and recognize and discern that I'm on this side. But there is a side that I want to go to. There's something over there. Thank you, sis. I got one, got two, got three people that recognize that there's something else over there. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. It doesn't matter the money that you've got in your bank account, the number of friends that you've got, the number of likes, the number of clicks, ticks, whatever it is. This is not heaven. It will never be heaven. But this is a place that you can recognize that I'm on this side.
And it is by your faith that you can move to the other side. Sister Bailey, could you come? As every head is bowed and every eye closed, I want to read you John chapter 21. The scripture says, And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? See, Jesus asked them, Do you recognize that which side of the boat that you're on? Children, do you have any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. My God, I feel the Spirit of God right now reaching for someone. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, and had cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes as soon as they were come to the land. They saw the fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus say unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty-three. And for all there were so many, yet was the net not broken. In the mid-1980s, there was an architectural discovery. There was a Galilean fishing vessel that was discovered on the Sea of Galilee, the northwest bank. And they removed that boat in pristine condition. It took eight years to get it to a place to where that they could put it in a museum where people could look at it. Prior to that, it was always believed because of the way that they made it out to the lake that roughly every fishing vessel was 27 feet long and about seven feet wide. 
This particular boat was 27 feet long and seven and a half feet wide. See, they were had their nets cast. And Jesus said, cast your nets on the right side. And if you'll permit me this morning, let me say it like this. Cast your net on the other side. I've come to tell someone this morning in the Holy Ghost that all they did was take the net and turn around and walk seven and a half feet and cast a net out on the other side. Here's what I've come to tell you. There's someone in this place that you're just seven small feet away from a miracle. Because in this service, you've discerned that you've been on this side. But it took faith for them to take that net and to turn just seven feet. It was the same water. Same boat. The net went out in exactly the same spot. Really, the Sea of Galilee is huge. There's no difference between seven feet. It was just the faith of throwing it out on the other side. Everyone in here this morning, as your eyes are closed and head is bowed, Could you just repent for a moment? That is, let's ask the Lord to forgive us in our complacency. Forgive us for the things that we've done that were displeasing to Him. Come on, everyone. There's none good. No, not one. There's none righteous among us. Everyone needs to repent. Can you do that right now? Ask the Lord. Father, forgive me. Forgive me, God, of my lethargy, of my complacency, God. Forgive me that I've become so complacent with my culture that I don't even recognize, God, that there's more. That I don't even move with faith anymore because I don't recognize that there is another side, that there is the other side. Forgive me, Lord. Maybe this is the first time that you've ever repented, that you've ever asked God to forgive you. If you ask Him to forgive you of your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you. Father, forgive us of every word that's spoken outside of Your will. God, forgive us for every action that was displeasing to You. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, In the name of Jesus, as we sing, if you are hungry, if you long for the other side this morning, would you just stand to your feet and express your faith to God? I want to go to the other side. Come on, is there anyone in this place that you want to go to the other side? You want to go to a deeper depth than God? a higher height in God. Maybe you want to go to some place that you've never been before in God. 
If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost before, that is the Spirit of God that indwells in you tonight or today, this morning, you can have that experience. You can go to the other side with God. In the name of Jesus, could you just lift your hands right now and ask God to help you move to the other side. Hallelujah. Come on, let's reach right now. Let's reach for the other side. Yes, yes, that's it, church. Be sensitive to those that are around you right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church, help me right now and be sensitive to those that are around you. I surrender it, God, everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.